Divine Intervention. It's been quite a while. Joining me, as he always used to do, is the one and only Craig Compton, who went on a little bit of hiatus for good reason, of course. Craig, uh, I know that the last time we spoke was before the Florida game, and you came through with a hot take that Tariq Black was transferring. Uh, made the comment that you'll never be on the show again, and for a while there, it seemed like that was the case. But Nonetheless, welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be back. I uh, I did make that prediction. Well, not even a prediction. I just said, hey, maybe this could happen, you know, in the world that we live in now where guys are transferring all over and he's had a few injuries and hasn't really gotten off to the start that everybody had hoped for. I had made that prediction, got a lot of hate mail, and just decided to go into hiding for the last few months. So um, that's where we're at. No other reason that you uh, maybe took some time? No, that was all a lie. I really just had a baby and have been living the dad life. And, uh, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of Michigan football to talk about after after the Florida game. Um, I mean, there's things here and there, but I try to limit myself to not to not buying into the hype as much as I used to. So I don't like to I don't even like to talk Michigan football till middle of July, August, somewhere in there until we're actually here at football season. Well, new father on the podcast. We we like that. Congratulations. I know I've told you that in person, but I'm sure you'll get a lot of that hate mail will probably turn into like, oh man, like we understand. Take it easy on him now. Yeah. Horrible take, but we forgive you. Uh, So you have another take that you've really had for a while now. And we used to talk about this mostly off the air uh, back when I was uh, back in our hometown uh, in Michigan. Uh, you are a huge, and by huge, I mean like the biggest, in terms of Michigan fans at least, uh, outside of family, of Dylan McCaffrey. You are the biggest Dylan McCaffrey fan I know. Gotta and be. for good reason, because Dylan McCaffrey has a ceiling that seems incredibly high, you can say, because of his family name, uh, the success of his father, the success of his brother, Christian McCaffrey, and the NFL currently at running back. There's a lot of reasons to get excited about Dylan McCaffrey, even some of the play last year, but you are almost in the camp of preferring Dylan McCaffrey. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I guess in a way. I was I was always a really big uh, Christian McCaffrey fan when he was at Stanford and still even now in the NFL. And so when Dylan committed to coming to Michigan, I was obviously excited for the name and for just the potential of, you know, the the NFL pedigree that they have. Yeah. Uh as there's a random dog barking. Um, Lenny always likes to give a hot take as well. He's, I think he's agreeing with me about Dylan McCaffrey and the name and just the pedigree and the family. But um, yeah, I have always just been a big, big Dylan McCaffrey supporter. And, you know, before the days of Shea Patterson, it looked like you know, we were headed towards a, a Dylan McCaffrey or a Brandon Peters shootout here, uh, even before the Joe Milton commit uh, commitment. And so now that Dylan's there and, you know, he starts working in and then Shea obviously transfers over. And I think last year there was some talk that it was a two quarterback race and it was going to come down to one of those two guys, which we've heard that every year that Jim Harbaugh has been there. Um, Sometimes I don't think it's as as true as other years. I think last year it was probably a, a lot closer race than a lot of people want to admit. I think 
the job probably always was Shays as a transfer, as somebody that they went out and actively tried to get to come to Michigan to fill a, a need. Um, but I think that Dylan probably made it a lot closer. We even saw him make his debut in in the very first game when Shea got hurt and Dylan came in and he, I thought he played pretty good for his first game on the road at Notre Dame in a big, uh, big setting. And then he obviously had some more uh, game experience last year before getting the season ending injury. Um, but we've talked about what, what's the, what would it look like if both of them played? And we got to see that a little bit last year and even having Joe Milton mix in there with all three of them playing at times. Um, and so now hearing this week or last week at big 10 media days, hearing that there's a chance that maybe Dylan and Shay both are playing, you know, every game that's got me excited for sure. I don't know how you feel about the, the two quarterback system. You know, I, when I heard that news, it, it was it was not surprising. Uh, the surprising aspect was the timing of it uh, with the you know the the media days, and there was a lot of kind of speculation or comments about you know Shea Patterson returns for a final season. He has a lot to prove. Uh, you had the whole fake tweet thing. There's a lot of kind of Shea Patterson talk. Uh, but one of the biggest things was the fact that he wasn't at the media days. Why would a guy who comes back to lead a team to a potential national championship not want to represent uh, his program? Well, one, Shea Patterson has a lot of things going on. Uh, he, I mean, he did the whole uh, baseball thing with the with the Rangers organization and golfs all the time. I mean, he made that joke once the the fake tweet was was circulating that it messed up his uh, his day on the course. And so I I thought it was. Uh, because of the fact that he's not there, which I would have loved for him to be there. He would have obviously been one of the most popular guys at the media days, um, probably had the most publicity out of really probably anybody. And for him to um, not be there and then have this come up that, hey, you know, this is actually a, there's two guys competing for the job right now. Um, and it was different than these other years you're talking about where maybe we looked at um, some of the quarterback battles of the past. I think of a Wilton Spate, John O'Corn. You heard that two guys really had equal opportunity and competition is good, but you never heard that like, hey, both guys might play. And I, and I, unless I'm wrong, I don't remember there being a lot of like, hey, you know, both of these guys will will see the field and we both we could use both of them. They've got similar skill sets but very different at the same time. And so. I don't think publicly that was ever really announced with Wilton and, and John O'Corn, but I do remember in the, the documentary that came out, it was talked about how that Florida game, um, they were both set to play. John was going to play in the second half for sure. Um, so maybe internally that was a thing, but like you said, I don't know that publicly it was ever announced that both of them were ever going to play. Yeah, that's true. They, they did mention it there, but still, I feel like that was more of, you know, we're not sure who's going to start and we're not sure who we're, sure we're going to go yeah. with. This feels more like, hey, both of these guys are so good that we need to utilize them. And Jim Harbaugh even talked about kind of redefining what it means to be a starting quarterback, which is which is something I'm all about. I mean, college football has changed so much even in our lifetime, um, especially look at Michigan football, um, going from Lloyd Carr to Rich Rodriguez to Brady Hoke, the, the years we don't like to talk about, but systems changed. When Rich Rod came in, Josh Gaddis comes in, they're going to do more RPO, a little bit more spread, no tempo. I mean, if this is if they're on to something, and again, I, I, I think that this is unique, and I, I am a fan of it, uh, but if they're on to something, and this is Josh Gaddis saying, hey, coach, you know, I'm leading this offense, and I truly believe that if we play 
both Shea Patterson and Dylan McCaffrey that we're going to have an advantage against the majority of our opponents, then it makes me excited. If this is, and I've seen someone say this on Twitter, if this is Jim Harbaugh almost like kind of stepping on Gaddis's toes in a sense and saying, yeah, you know what, we might play both. Uh, we can use both of them. Then I maybe I feel like I, I don't like it as much. But either way, I mean, this concept of both guys playing when it looked like a full Shea Patterson-led Michigan team heading into the fall, at least it looked that way at the end of last year when he announced his return. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. And so I guess my question for you is, what do you think that would look like? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because like you said, uh, college football and even just athletics in general have changed so much in the last few years. Even thinking about when Richard came in and people were just up in arms that they were going to bring a spread offense and just a high tempo, no huddle offense. And now fans are begging for that and mm-hmm. so excited that Josh Gaddis is here to, to run that. Um, and that was 10 years ago. So just in 10 years, which 10 years is a, a long time, but just in a 10-year span, how, how much that script has flipped just nationally in college football. Um, so I think I think that the days of one, one quarterback and that's your guy, I think those days are coming to an end shortly in college football anyway, maybe not in the NFL, but I, even look at like all the other positions on the football field, even like a D-line for Michigan, how many guys they rotate in and out and in the linebacker position and, and even when Jabril Peppers was there playing safety, playing linebacker, uh, coming up on the line for blitz and, and whatnot. So I think every position changes every year and changes dramatically to where maybe even like a running back and you used to have one guy who would carry the rock 30 times a game. Now that's being split up between receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, um, so I think it would be kind of silly and naive to think that the quarterback position wouldn't change and that it shouldn't change. Uh, obviously Josh Gaddis and Alabama had, had good success with their two quarterback system. So why not bring it to Michigan? And if, you know, if, if it works so well at Alabama for Josh Gaddis, why can't we, why can't we do it in, in Ann Arbor? Um, what it would look like, I guess, I don't know. I personally, selfishly, I guess I would rather it to see Dylan McCaffrey in there quite a bit. Um, But as a a guy who's been around sports and played sports and knowing that, you know, you've got to have that guy on whatever side of the ball you're on, you've got to have that one guy that's a leader. Um, And Shea Patterson doesn't necessarily, he's not an in-your-face vocal type of leader, but I think that those guys definitely rally around him and rally around his play. And I think that he's one of those quiet leaders that you hear about. Um, he's not necessarily like a Tom Brady that's going to be in your face on the sidelines screaming at you when you mess something up, but he's going to motivate you and get you going. And so I think that uh, Shea is that guy for the team. I think that those guys rally around him. And then I think that we're going to just see Dylan McCaffrey kind of sprinkled in. Uh, we saw that, like I said, last year, but I think he'll be used more more strategically. Um they're not just going to bring him in to run some sort of little fluke trick play. I think he's going to come in and legit throw the ball a few times a game um, and also use his wheels. I think they're going to use him a lot in those RPOs. Um, I, I think he could definitely do some damage with his legs. He showed last year where he was pulling away from DBs, uh, just sprinting down the sideline for touchdowns. So I think it was the Nebraska game where he just took off and pulled away from everybody and was gone. Uh, so 
I think that he can change the game in that aspect. And I, I don't see him, I don't see it being like a 50, 50 split at all. I think, I think Shea will take a good majority of the, of the snaps and then Dylan McCaffrey will be sprinkled in there and maybe even some Joe Milton as well. So a few things here, actually a lot of things. One, I'm a huge Joe Milton fan. I think I might be in that camp of, Oh, yeah. One of the bigger Joe Milton fans. I always used to talk about that when you were all big on Dylan McCaffrey saying, For you know sure. what, it's gonna be it's gonna be Joe Milton who who follows Shea Patterson. And Joe Milton's his his own special talent and and For I think sure. we'll see some time as well, especially now that they're not worried about a red shirt and you have some other uh, big name quarterbacks to follow on the recruiting trail. But I also thought about Josh Gaddis and the experience. He had Alabama with kind of two quarterbacks, um, and I think that that can be a sense. And again, I don't think it's 50-50 either. I think it's probably going to be more 75 Shea Patterson, uh, 25% Dylan McCaffrey, really at the most. Um, But I think that 25% you do see Dylan McCaffrey will be a very effective 25%, at least compared uh, to what we saw last year. Uh, He didn't get a lot of time last year, but he made the most out of that time until injured. I think because of that, he's deserving of more time. And I think that he'll um, really kind of execute when he gets those opportunities. So just real quick, just to be clear, obviously a little different player than like a Jabril Peppers. When he would come in on offense, everybody knew what was happening. It was a run play. He never was going to throw the ball. Obviously Dylan McCaffrey being a quarterback, he's going to throw the ball. But do you think that he's going to be – used more in the past game than maybe he was last year. I mean, last year he he never even threw the ball more than, I think, four times um, with the exception of the uh, Notre Dame game when he was playing a little bit more. Uh, well, I guess the Nebraska game he threw eight times. But uh, do you think that he'll throw, you know, five, six-plus times a game, or do you think he'll be used more for his for his feet? I can see five to six times. I think what I see is I'm thinking of a long drive and Shea Patterson goes out there. They run some RPO, try to get the run game established. Um, and then I can just see without anyone expecting it, just Dylan McCaffrey coming out in the field and not only running a play. Maybe he maybe he runs for the first play, but staying out there two or three plays in a row trying to pick up a first down, maybe get a big play, and then maybe Shea Patterson runs back in. I can see them using it in a way that's not predictable. Uh, What you have seen with kind of the two-quarterback system and what you saw a little bit in that uh, Amazon series is, okay, you know, John, it's your time to go out there. Wilton's suffering. He's he's thrown the the two picks uh, back-to-back possessions. Pick sixes, actually, is what it was. And I, I can see like where a lot of people will naturally think like, okay, Shea's going to go a series or two, you know, let's see what Dylan can do. He'll go a series or two. I think it's more of just trotting him out in the field, using him for a couple of plays. If it works great, if it doesn't, they have a game plan for Shea. I think that's what you'll see the most. I don't love the two quarterback system for two reasons. One, when you have a guy like a Trevor Lawrence, you don't need a second quarterback. Um, obviously that's uh, an example that there is no one like Trevor Lawrence right now. If you don't have that, you may have to go to this more like two quarterback system or the system where you simply just put the best players on the field. I also don't like it in terms of confidence and I don't like it in terms of momentum. If Shea Patterson is just rolling in a game in an important game, I don't know if I need to see Dylan McCaffrey. Uh, and then if he's struggling in a game, I think of when, Oh, remind me what the quarterback, Tommy Stevens was the backup. I can't even think of Penn State's starting quarterback, and that's a complete slap in the face to 
Yes, complete yes, slap yes. in the face to, yes. to James Franklin. I know he doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, no. And I, Trace McSorley was phenomenal to watch in a lot of games. But I yeah. think about that Michigan-Penn State game last year. Trace McSorley was terrible. And Tommy Stevens came in and threw a really bad interception. I don't want to see a guy like Shea Patterson, I mean, really like, in no lack of a better word, get benched, lose some confidence, and then just, you know, have a bad attitude. I'm not saying that that Shea Patterson will. We were talking before the show, there's a Yahoo article saying like people are talking and wondering about his coachability. And so that mean that causes some concerns. I think that Shea Patterson's a good leader. I think that he's a great fit for this football team. I appreciate what he did last year, probably more than going to appreciate what he does on the field this year. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, and he's on an award watch list. But I would hate to see him struggle or throw a bad interception and have it. What I don't want is people like you, and not you, and like this is a bad thing, but I don't want this calling for Dylan McCaffrey, like give up on Shea Patterson to happen because of this two-quarterback system. Because the risky thing is Dylan McCaffrey comes in, and plays really well, like, I guess at that point, I'd rather just have him start and be the quarterback. I don't want to do this back and forth where as soon as one makes a mistake, there's like a divided camp between fan bases of who they want on the field, because I feel like that's happened before. I mean, there was a Tate Forcier, Denard Robinson that happened until Denard took over. I mean, even with John O'Corn, people were calling for John O'Corn's name until he was so bad that people wanted to give Braden Peters the starting keys before he had any experience. And so I want to avoid that. Now, that's usually something that happens while Michigan's having a disastrous season. If they're winning football games, then I don't know if it matters as much. But that's the only thing is I want to avoid. Because if Shea Patterson could be his best version and in Heisman talks, like that's still what I prefer for this season. Although I would like to see that 15 to 25% Dylan McCaffrey, because I also think that the future is important as well. Yeah. And I think part of that, I think is kind of inevitable at the university of Michigan. I think that you just, you have such a large fan base that you're not going to please everybody. You think you mentioned some of the quarterback battles, but even uh, Devin Gardner and a Denard Robinson, or even going back to Tom Brady and Drew Henson, like there's always that guy that if something's not going right, they're calling for the next guy up, uh, regardless of if they have that uh, have that experience or not. And I think that you know, like you said, the the conventional thinking is that okay, Shay, you're going to go out and run three series. Then Dylan, you're going to come in and run two series. And I don't think that that system, I mean, it's proven that it hasn't really worked for, for teams. And so I think when Jim Harbaugh says he's going to redefine what a starting quarterback is, I think that that essentially is what he's saying is like you, you had mentioned like, okay, we're on a long drive. Shea has been in there. Uh, but I think they're going to have a specific package built for Dylan or built for Joe where, okay, we're going to try this and these guys are going to come in for a few plays and they're going to come right back out. Much like, uh, you know, a certain receiver, they're in for certain packages, they're out for other packages. Um, I could even see Dylan McCaffrey coming in and Shea Patterson being the quarterback and Dylan McCaffrey running some sort of end around. I know that's crazy to think about, but Dylan McCaffrey's got some wheels. So if they're talking about this speed in space, why not uh, bring him in or bring, you know, a lot of times if a second quarterback comes in, he splits out as a decoy and the defense doesn't even guard the guy because they know he's not going anywhere. I don't know. What's what are Dylan McCaffrey's hands like? I mean, 
It's crazy to think because he's a quarterback, but realistically, we saw his wheels last year. Um, so I, I really don't want to put a, a cap on anything, on any possibility, because shoot until i saw the train formation a few years ago i'd never saw it and never thought i would see it so i'm not putting anything past jim harbaugh and the entire staff i think josh gaddis has shown at his previous stops that he's he's definitely creative and can get the ball to the guys that need to get the ball um so i'm not putting a limit on anything dylan mccaffrey but like i said and like you said I think we both don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split, and I don't think it's going to be the traditional two-quarterback system that we've seen in the past for a lot of teams that just doesn't seem to ever work. So we'll end the show on two questions here. Question number one is, will we see Shea Patterson and Dylan McCaffrey on the field at the same time at any point this season? I think we will in the eh, – maybe not the first game. Maybe that Army game, week two, um, I think for sure we will. I think – I think uh, I don't remember if it was you or Tyler in the last show that you guys had talked about in your show, um, just talking about that Army game kind of being a, a, a bigger game that a lot of people sleep on. Um, but I think there's no reason that we can't put both guys out there. And I think you guys also said in that show that in the past, Jim Harbaugh has, quote unquote, held things back. Uh for the bigger games later in the season, whereas Josh Gaddis maybe this year is not going to hold that back and he's just going to let it all out there and please just, just pour it on. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there is no reason that we shouldn't just absolutely roll Middle Tennessee State in the first game. Now, I don't think we need to show every formation that we have, but why is a guy like Joe Milton not coming in the game in the third quarter when we're up big, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's – and why are we not getting any game game time experience with those packages if if there is something where Dylan and Shay are on the field together? Um, I'm all for wanting to to not show your opponent everything you have, but just because they're on the field and you're showing a package doesn't mean that you're showing everything that you have out of that package. You could have 15 different plays um, that all look similar to each other. So I think without a doubt, there's going to be times this year where they're both on the field together. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I think that I don't think it will be a lot, but I think that there'll be a few games where they, they do implement that. And I think that there'll be a few times where it is very successful um, because I do, I do think that they're going to try some new things this year. I mean, obviously uh, the whole the whole scheme will, will be new in a lot of senses uh, with Josh Gaddis, but I think we'll see both of them. And what and we'll talk more about Middle Tennessee State as, as the season gets closer, sure. but that's the game where I honestly would probably expect to see more Dylan McCaffrey because if Michigan can get up and handle things so. early, I mean, you want to see Dylan McCaffrey out there for, I mean, four or five, six possessions if, if there's that many left uh, to, to see what he can do, as, as well as Joe Milton. Um, and then, I mean, even Cade McNamara with, with the yeah. ability to play the four games now, you're probably going to see a lot of quarterbacks in some of those games. Which I would I would hope would be the case, and we kind of thought that last year um, and, and just the way that it started out, we didn't really – I mean, we saw Joe Milton, but we didn't see as much of Joe Milton as a lot of people wanted to see. I think, I think uh, Twitter especially likes to blow up at – you know, pregame pictures of Joe Milton and how big and how much of a freak athlete the guy is. Um, There's just a lot of hype there. And so anytime you can get those guys into a game early in the season, I think is good. Uh, One other thing real quick, just about the both of them being, 
you know, in the game at the same time. There's a local high school here that I was just thinking about as you were talking. There's a local high school here that runs a two quarterback uh, uh, scheme, and they essentially have both quarterbacks in the shotgun lined up side by side. Uh, and the you know, depending on what the play call is, the center snaps it to one of the two quarterbacks, and it's game on at that point. So. Not saying that we're going to see that at Michigan by any means, and obviously small-town high school football is a little bit different than Big Ten football, uh, but maybe that's another option that they, they're both lined up back there and it's a direct snap to one of the two, and then you know they make the read at that point. I hope to see something crazy. And you know, local high school and just high school football in general, it's a good place to implement some of these new schemes and ideas. And I'm pretty sure, I can't name the school, I'm pretty sure uh, Jim Harbaugh and company uh, saw that train formation from a high school because I, I almost right. remember yeah. I a coach right. tweeting um, and saying, like, you know, honored to or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they said that, I mean, that this is being implemented at the at the Division One level. So I think yep. we'll see some crazy things in general this year. Uh, not like, out of, more like out of the ordinary, not like insane, like what in the world are they doing? Although yeah. some of those trick plays can lead to that. But I do think we'll yeah. see new things this year. And I think a lot of what we'll see in general is just going to be what I would consider relieving. And, and we can talk in way more detail about this in another show. But I think just the presence of Josh Gaddis is going to mean so many things moving forward. And to get this little teaser this early before the season that, Hey, we may def- redefine the role of a starting quarterback. I mean, you can't ask for, for much more to kind of add to your imagination and expectations for the season. So Jim Harbaugh has always been, always been good at that of, uh, you know, blowing smoke as some would say, and getting people extremely overhyped. Um, I just, you know, I hope, to keep a level head this year and just hope that they deliver on, on a lot of this hype, you know, being picked to win the big 10, uh, that's got me a little worried to be honest. I think until we prove that we can beat Ohio state, there's no reason that we should be picked to be winning the big 10. I, I agree that we have, you know, a lot, a lot returning and a lot to look forward to. And obviously Josh, Josh Gaddis hiring is exciting. But until they go out there and put the pads on and deliver a product on the field week in and week out, I, I'm a little hesitant still, but I, I definitely am, am very optimistic of this season. Yeah, and, and all the reason to be, and I think most people deep down probably are. I mean, you you like the thought of uh, a Big Ten champion beating Ohio State, making the college football playoff. But as we know, I mean, there's been predictions to Michigan winning the national championship oh, yeah. before and they've fallen short in, in those seasons. And so you've really just got to, you know, keep it together, get excited for some football finally, and, and then yeah. whatever the product is on the field, you got to hope it's uh, good enough uh, to, to finally beat the Buckeyes and, you know, give us something to, to cheer about maybe late late November for once because it seems like that's when, when things fall apart and people like you and I end up just not podcasting for like six months after that. For sure. I think uh... – yeah, I agree completely. I think one thing that they do have going for them this year is that the schedule seems to be a little bit more spread out. Um, obviously, you know, you've got the Michigan State, you've got Notre Dame, and then you've got uh, at Maryland, which could be a tough game. But just looking on paper right now, you know, you've got at least one game in between each of your big games to where, uh, 
you can recoup a little bit. Uh, obviously, the Penn State and Notre Dame game are back to back, but it's not like in the last few years where there were you know four or five really easy games to start the season, and then everything was just kind of packed at middle of October to middle of November. Um, I think it's a little bit more spread out. I think the fact that we don't have to wait long to get a big game, I think that Army game is going to be a big game. And then obviously the next week at Wisconsin, I think as a fan has me excited because there's definitely years where those first four weeks of the season are just like, okay, this is all good. We're beating up on, you know, these community college teams, but I want to play a real game that actually matters. And I want to see how guys actually respond in games where their backs are against the wall. So I think that that's, that's going to help them going down the stretch is that they've, they've got these games spread out um, to where they're going to be playing a big game and then maybe have a, not a week off because I think anybody can knock anybody off, but you know, you've got a lesser opponent that you maybe shouldn't struggle with as much before you have another big game. And I think that if they can just get in that routine of getting really pumped up for the big games uh, instead of having big game after big game after big game, then that could help them down the stretch. The only thing that I like the the five cupcake games at the beginning of the season four are the cheaper tickets. But now that I'm down in Florida well, that's true. and have no chance to uh, get to the big house likely this fall, I would rather see Michigan tested early and often, and like you said, spread out so they have a chance to kind of recruit on some of these lesser weeks. And I mean, Either way, looking forward to a football season. We want to thank you for checking out the return of the Divine Intervention. Craig, new dad, congratulations again. Thanks, Thanks. For, for joining us. Uh, we'll have more uh, on Divine Intervention coming forward this summer. We're not going to promise the next time because, you know, sometimes with Craig and I, we never know the next time. You never know. But thanks for listening. Thanks for checking us out. As always, go to Anchor. .fm slash Wolverine Sounds to check out this episode and all the others. Thanks for listening. Go Blue.